0: Thanks for listening to Open Doors Live with your hosts, Mike Gore and James Kazina. Because of your support, we're able to bring the persecuted church to life. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au. Here's today's episode. Hello everybody, it is Mike Gore here in the studio and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. We have just returned from the Open Doors Live tour, where we held events in Wellington, Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney. Today you get to hear our speaker. His name is Sandeep, he's a great friend of mine, and he's from India. At the end of our Open Doors live events, we gave people the opportunity to ask Sandeep questions because on the night, we weren't able to get through all of them. So what we did was we caught up with Sandeep at the hotel and made sure we asked him those questions. I'm not sure if you realize, India is ranked number 11 on our world watch list And a Hindu nationalist group known as the RSS have declared that by the year 2021, Christianity will cease to exist in India. There are anti-conversion laws in six states, making it extremely hard for people to share the gospel and grow the church. Christians are often given the option, convert to Hinduism, leave or be killed. Sounds eerily similar to a lot of the stuff we hear from the Middle East. Schools are becoming more radicalised towards Hinduism and missionary visas haven't been given out since the 1960s. But I'll let Sandeep tell you a little bit more about that and what life is like for persecuted Christians in India. Be sure to listen right to the end because we have something very special to talk about before we leave today's episode.
1: Sandeep, it's so great to be with you and absolute privilege to be able to ask you some of these questions that people have submitted uh, from our Open Doors live events. So the first one here, uh, what are some of the specific ways the gospel is being shared in India? India is a very complex country where there are a lot of uh,
2: culture and uh, languages and uh, religions for a long time, the gospel has always been preached openly. I've grew up uh, uh, seeing all that in uh, in many places when the Jesus movies, people are being invited to the church. So there are a lot of things our church always doing evangelism through inviting people in their homes for uh, small groups, and we have seen a tremendous uh, response from those people. Also, there are people who do the evangelism one to one basis. That is also very effective uh, and a way gospel has been preached through the one-to-one basis and uh, that impacts very personally. People listen, people want to know who true God is and what he has done because the Indians, they always have a sense of, uh, uh, you know, urge to for the salvation they called it moksha if they do good things they will be having the moksha by doing the rituals they will have moksha or uh, salvation uh, with all that they never find uh, themselves satisfied that they have uh, salvation in their life but when they hear the uh, the gospel of jesus christ how the lord has died for them and atoned his life for their sin they amazed and how come it's, it can happen that somebody laid his life for me? Am that important? Then they are able to understand, oh, this is the, the God Himself. And, and that is the only possibility when they, they see that He is the Lord, He is the God. And that's where they when they come to the Lord, they hold on to the Lord very, very uh, fast and very closely. So the commitment level of uh, Indian Christians are very, very high because they know the truth. Because they have been uh, searching for the truth and when they found it, they don't want to leave it at any cost. And I have heard many uh, uh, testimonies when pastors uh, in the rural villages, when they are preaching the gospel. And uh, often they pray for the people who are suffering with the sickness and those people are released and healed. They want to know. Uh, about this God and they want to to accept it as their uh, personal savior. They think that their life is now will be smooth sailing. After receiving Jesus, they face the persecution. And By God's grace, uh, uh, many many people are coming to Christ. India is the,
1: the land where the church is growing very fast. Um so Sandeep you mentioned that people come to Jesus and then they quite often experience persecution soon after. Why is the gospel of Jesus so offensive to people in India?
2: The Indian culture and Indian religion they consider there are three gods. They can accept Jesus as one of god because they already have millions of them. But for them to accept Jesus as the Lord, the God and only the saviour, that's the difficulty for them. And that's why they always reject Christianity and treat it as a foreign religion. For a long time, foreign powers have been invaded India and rule in India. So to uh, motivate people against Christianity is is the only way uh, to uh, take away from the truth of of the gospel. Also, another thing is a little bit more of political because uh, uh, in the caste system only 20% uh, of the three uh, top layer, rest of the people are the fourth caste, those are the service caste people who uh, are Dalit, the one who are uh, outcasted, they all together are more than uh, 50-60%. If we look at that, uh, those three upper caste people, they are less in percentage in India they are ruling the whole country. Gospel is empowering people. Gospel is bringing people out of those, uh, those bondages and bring them, give them opportunity to become something. So that's the threat they have, the political
1: threat, and that's why they, they oppose the gospel. Sandeep, is there a Christian political party in India, or is there work being done by local Christians to influence government? Um, is there any way that we can help in that area, or how can we pray for Christian leaders to advance in India? There are many Christian politicians
2: in uh, different uh, political parties. Uh, also, in, uh, many, uh, there are many secular parties uh, uh, who are very influential uh, in India. Even there are several Christian uh, political parties. Uh, they won't get substantial number of vote. To come into the the house and to represent in the houses, uh, so that's the
1: biggest challenge. Has the rise of extreme Hinduism affected the general population of India as well, um, or is it just like normal life for everyone except for Christians?
2: Actually, Hindu. Uh, first of all, we need to understand what Hindu extremism is. Hindu extremism is uh, is a product of uh, uh, Hindu nationalism which is uh, uh, driven by an ideology of Hindutva. They have this agenda, an ideological agenda to make India a Hindu nation. They come up with this uh, ideology that uh, the Indian citizens, the only the Hin- Hindu should be the uh, Indian citizen all other than Hindu, they should not be given the citizenship of India. Either they submerge into the uh, Hindu uh, Hinduism or they should leave the country. So, they want a pure Hindu nation. And in last uh, couple of decades, they try to influence the, the masses with their ideology that this country belongs to, only to Hindu and uh, they speak the one language, the Hindi language, and one culture is a Hindu culture. Those people, they they were instigated uh, the mindset of people uh, to be against the Christianity, against the church, so they they cannot preach the gospel, they cannot uh, uh, share the love of Christ uh, with their neighbors because they think if they are sharing the gospel to the people, they will become Christian. So how come they can make this country a Hindu nation? So largely means uh, the way the Hindu fundamentalists are working is to making the Christians are most vulnerable. But they also attack on the churches, they demolish the churches, they beat on the pastors. They put the false allegation upon the pastor, put them behind the bars. Many pastors have been killed. People have been killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So the Christians are being targeted by this group of people just on one ideology that
1: the country belongs
2: to Hindu only.
1: Um, Sandeep, do you find that in your assessment of persecution in India that it is worse for women than men to be a Christian in India?
2: Yes, looking at uh, the current situation and uh, statistics, which says that the women's are becoming more and more vulnerable, uh, along with the children. And last year, when we have a recorded six hundred and sixty-one incident, where uh, more than fifteen thousand women are
1: being affected by uh, those incidents. sunday we we know that you. Um really get to see these issues face to face. When you are meeting with Christians who have been persecuted, do you find that they question the goodness of God? Do they question God's existence because He didn't stop bad things from happening to them?
2: Yeah, meeting those people who are being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they are really being affected by what happened to them, what happened to their family. But uh, also, they have a sense of uh, joy uh, in their life. And many of them say, even when we were beaten up, we felt that uh, very comforting uh, uh, feeling that we were having and we are not knowing how it is uh, uh, happening. Uh, we would have been died in, in those kind of situation. But uh, the way God has uh, protected us, we realize that uh, the God is always being with us.
1: Uh, as you meet with these people who have suffered so much for their faith, uh, how do you encourage them as to you know, how they should respond to those who are persecuting them? How do you encourage them in that way?
2: Yeah, sometimes uh, when people are being uh, so much hurted, today's uh, young people, they're sometimes taking revenge. or. But when we come alongside of them and help them to make them understand, when they become Christian, they have to take up their cross. Our Lord has gone before us taking His cross. We need to walk on His footsteps. The way He responds to the persecution with the love, with the forgiveness, like He said from the cross, Father, they don't know what they are doing. Please forgive them. So that, that should be our response to the those who are persecuting us. The Lord may forgive them and to, to love for them and to pray for them, those who persecute us. Uh, so, this helps people to understand the Christian life is to, uh, to surrender. It is something to surrender into the Lord's hand. It's not something that to, uh, if we are beaten up, we are lost. It is not lost. It is the victory. The God has shown the victory on cross and the power of resurrection is being displayed uh, through that victory. When people go through it, they could be able to understand the power of
1: resurrection in their lives, and that makes them stand strong. Uh, Sandeep, in your role, you have the privilege of traveling all around the world and sharing with uh, this portion of the church that's largely free to worship Jesus with, without fear of violence or attacks. Uh, Do you see a large difference in the church in places like Australia than than what you do uh, in your home country in India where it's a lot more difficult to follow Jesus?
2: For me, the the body of Christ uh, in the free world or living in those countries are the same. And uh, I also uh, feel and understand when uh, we pray for those people who are being persecuted, We also feel the same pain and suffering, what they are going through, and those people who are being being suffered and going through the difficulties because of their faith, they find strength, a strange strength in their life, in their their journey, because the people on the other side of the world praying for them, without knowing that they are praying for somebody who is being uh, suffering at this moment but when they pray for those people they are being connected with them and uh, the sur- serving the the suffering body of christ in reality and uh, when you touch the suffering body of christ it's in real sense it is it is something that's uh, beyond our understanding but when we pray for them Pray for those who are being persecuted for the, their faith is something that, that relates us to each other and bring
1: us together to be part of the body of Christ. Uh, brother, if you had a specific encouragement for the church here in Australia and New Zealand, uh, how, would you, how would you suggest we can encourage our family in India and around the world that are suffering for their faith in Jesus?
2: If you look at uh, uh, John 13, uh, 34, 35, where the where Lord asks to love one another. You know, that love that God is asking as a body of Christ, as a member of uh, the church, as a part of His body, we need to love one another, we need to care for one another. Lord says, this is my command and I think this is the, the greatest command that Lord has given to us. We want to reach out the world w- with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this is something that God has given us and He told it, when you do this more and more, the world will know that you are my disciple. You are my people. And if we love one another and take care of each other, stand united together, the world will know that we, to whom we belong to, we belong to the, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Whether we are living in the free world or we are living where the Christian life is more difficult, but we are one in Christ. And that, that would be our witness.
0: Well, what an incredible interview. Sandeep is such a good friend of mine, a man that I always find so inspirational. I've just grabbed James Kazina and asked him to join us here in the studio because I thought it would be good to have a chat with you, James, about your time with Sandeep. I mean, listening to that interview myself, it brings back so many memories of the time I spent with him, his passion for the Lord, his commitment to the gospel, but also the cost and the sacrifice he incurs personally for his work in evangelizing and sharing Jesus in his nation. Can you tell the listeners, maybe, what's something that something that inspired you, something that encouraged you from your time with Sandeep, knowing that you spent, what is it, Nearly a week, two weeks with Sandeep, travelling around the country. I'm sure there were many more lessons than what we heard in the interview. What's something that really challenged you from your time with him?
1: It really was a privilege to, to travel around with this man of God. And I think, you know, this is something I shared, you know, to a lot of our team actually is that whenever we have a speaker like this, we get this incredible opportunity to be face-to-face with the persecuted church. And uh, that being said, he really is just another normal person. He's a person that's walking with Jesus like you or, or me. Um, he just faces incredible trauma and, and suffering every day of his life. Um, and I think that was the thing that really stood out to me, is that despite what he sees, and despite all that suffering, he is still able to um, find rest in Jesus. You know, we were able to go and do normal things together. We went and, and hung out at the the Koala Sanctuary up in Brisbane and, and he's able to still find rest um, you know, in the portions of his life between the chaos that he sees every day. And and Mike, you even referenced the fact that he um truly loves Jesus and I could see that just in the way he loved people. We were sitting uh, for breakfast at one point, and he was nearly moved to tears by the fact that, uh, that two guys sitting behind us at a coffee shop were talking about Jesus and had the Bible open in front of them. And he pointed to them and he said, now, James, you might think the church is, is dying in Australia, but I see that and I can see life in the church all around me. That really inspired me and uh, encouraged me to kind of see Jesus at work just in the, in the day-to-day things around about me.
0: You know, one of the things that I remember so, uh, one of the things that I remember so vividly from my time with Sandeep was the way that he would devote or hand over control of every element of his life to Jesus. I remember I said to him, "Well, what does your spiritual discipline look like? Can you tell me maybe what the first sixty minutes of your day looks like?" And he says to me, "Mike, every night I go to bed, I pray that the Lord would just tap me on the arm and wake me up the next morning." And he says, "Every morning, the Lord taps him on the arm and wakes him up." I remember I said, well, Sunday, what time is that? He said, oh, it could be 3.45, it could be 4, four it could be 4.30. He says, I'll wake up and I'll just spend time with the Lord. And he says, what I'm amazed is that every time I get tapped on the arm, I wake straight up. I'm not tired and I'm not sleepy. And the thing for me is that it's not actually about the time he wakes up. I think often in Western Christianity we can go, oh, he's up so early, he's spending so much time with the Lord. But the reality is it's not actually about that. I think if we water it down to just being that, it becomes faith by works. But what I love about him is that he will say, whether it's in my waking or my sleeping, every single part of my life is about Jesus, for Jesus, and controlled by Jesus. And I really think that's one of the things that separates the persecuted church from me personally as a believer, and maybe many people listening today. I followed up that conversation with two questions, which again, I'll never forget. Because the first one was, well, Sandeep, Can you tell me about the church in Australia? And James, you addressed that just a moment ago, which I hadn't heard that story and I love, because Sandeep simply responded to me and said, Brother Mike, I'm just not worthy of answering that question. He says, that's only Jesus can answer that question. But he says, when I look around and I see people in your country worshipping Jesus, it's so beautiful. And so then I asked him, well, Sandeep, could you tell me maybe what a lukewarm Christian looks like to you? And tears welled up in his eyes, and he says to me, well, I fear that that may be me. And I remember thinking to myself, here's a man who literally devotes his waking and his sleeping to Jesus. And he thinks he might be lukewarm. You know, I thought to myself, well, at least that makes me cold because. The reality is it's just a vastly different relationship. And I know I've said it on the podcast before, but there is a great difference between knowing Jesus and knowing of Jesus. And when I see people like Sandeep, I realize that they know Jesus. They walk in lockstep with Jesus. They give Jesus every part of their life, despite the conflict, despite the suffering, despite the pain. Whereas I know for me personally, I measure my proximity to God based off his provision of safety. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges in the West is that we need to stop equating spiritual proximity to God of his provision of safety. And having spent time with Sandeep, I can realise once again, it is almost always entirely opposite with the persecuted church. As we begin to wrap up today, can I encourage you, please pray for people like Sandeep, pray for believers all over the world who share our faith but not our freedom, people who risk so much for the gospel, both personally and professionally. And like I said at the start of this episode we've got something very special for our listeners today. In today's episode we've been talking about India and we want to give away a beautiful A3 print from India to remind you to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in this country. So for our Australian and New Zealand listeners if you want to go into the running to win our India print just head to iTunes and rate and review our podcast. We will randomly select five people to receive the prints. If you want to see what they look like or you can head over to our Instagram, Open AU or Open Doors New Zealand to check them out. So, like I said, rate, review, even share this podcast, and we will announce the winners in the next episode coming out on the 18th of October. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. I hope today's episode was inspiring, was challenging, but most of all, made you want to chase Jesus out a little bit harder in your life. God bless. Thanks for listening to Open Doors Live with your hosts, Mike Gore and James Cazina. Because of your support, we're able to bring the persecuted church to life. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au.